Today we have the uh, opportunity, precious opportunity, to practice the Dharma, to contemplate the the ultimate principle, the transcendent principle, the liberating principle. the principle uh, without which there would be no escape from suffering, what the Buddha called the unconditioned or the uncreated or the unborn. He said if it wasn't for this unconditioned, uncreated, unborn, there'd be no escape. But the way perception works and strengthened perpetuated, reinforced, reified, concretized by language, perception tends to fixate on, make real particularity, thingness. Pain, I can't take it. Pleasure, wow, this, this, this is wonderful. painful state. I is the most powerful particularity objectification. I'm miserable. Uplifting state. <sighs> Kitty Sorrow. I'm happy. <laughs> it was about 11.15 or 11.14 and 25 seconds. <laughs> I wrote it down. <laughs> It'll go out in Facebook. <laughs> I don't need to put it out in Facebook, but it's out there. <laughs> I'm free, and what can I say? A big bow, but I'm free. Particularity, thingness. And we, we lose touch with matrix, context. Because the thingness seems, seems real. Like me is a thing, a self. And yet, as we know, there is no me without continual breathing in and breathing out. It stops <coughs> for long enough, a few minutes. And then it's like my father. It's a body that starts the elements. Heat returns. Water returns. The earth element. My dear father, 98 years old, is we see something like a bubble is, there it is, language, there it is, it's beautiful, look at the colors, Whew. awesome thing, it pops, there's nothing there, it isn't, it doesn't exist, it reappears, is, isn't, even language wants to pin things down, is me and mine good and bad, but when 
attention is fixated. Our reality is described according to things, discrete particularities. We, we get in this bind because if we really we say it is the assumption. We even own it, but then it it's gone. Then language, you know, has these dualities. It is and isn't. Where the, the Buddha would would say, you know, actually this dharma, this reality, this nature cannot be described. We so much want to pin things down. It's day. It's bright. It's dark. Dharmagiri is a good place. It's an amazing place. The power of it. And then when we're being beset by can take another minute, a second. This Dharma cannot be described, said the Buddha in the Lotus Sutra. This reality cannot be described. Words fall silent before it. Rather than is and isn't, some conditions come to be, and when the condition, like the classic example, is the dew drop. The Buddha said the, all these so-called things, including me and you and this and bad and good and bad, all these dharmas, these things, are like dreams, illusions, bubbles, shadows, like dew drops in a lightning flash. Contemplate them thus. Thus, a very important word, ta-ta-ta. Thus, it means as it is. When we're thus, all conditioned things are like dreams, illusions, bubbles. They appear and dissolve. Dewdrops in the morning, when the light's just coming, and especially if you get the light just right, even the thousands of spider webs have billions of little dewdrops, jewels shimmering. not really in it, is it? If we really look more closely, contemplate closely, that so-called it's totally in relationship, intimately in relationship with the air, the temperature, the light, and so the so-called it, as this light element increases, is gone. It's gone. Language is useful for communication, but when we turn to language for who we are, what something really is, we're getting misled. perpetuated by language and then proliferated by language, what the Buddha called papancha, conceptual proliferation. A little particularity, a little mark, what the Buddha called a lakana, a mark like me. Suddenly there's a you. Here, then I got there. Now, and with memory and the fact things are changing, we've got to bring time in. So with the thinking, the, the, the life has become so complicated. And then this assumption that some thing, some circumstance, some feeling is me and mine, we contract our actual boundless nature, gets shaped then by some mood, some thought, some form. I'm strong. I sit in meditation just to make sure. <laughs> you think, 
Kitty saw it maybe 20 years ago, but not now. <laughs> more like a skeleton, or I'm so weak. Yes, the body is strong or weak, but is that me? So in the vipassana, in the looking into and liberating the jitta, the heart from assumptions, the assumption of thingness, solidity, is <coughs> challenged or is reflected upon when we look at the body and then notice that it, it, it's not solid, in and out, heavy and light. Same with sounds and sights. When we don't understand that, then when consciousness, what call what is called through tanha, through desiring to be something which is natural, it's not evil, wanting to find security and happiness, then we, what is called upadana, we grasp. It's not evil, it's just a natural tendency. Or it's sometimes described as we climb on to that condition, we lean on it, we take support on the condition of a happiness, of being pleased, on a success. The meditation's going well, and yeah, I think I'm getting it. Yeah, finally, God, it's been eight years banging my head on the wall, getting it. It's natural, but if there's a leaning on it, then when that uh, Tanisha walks by and frowns at us, we think, what, what did I do? Oh, did I leave my window open? Did I? Oh, God. And where'd the feeling go? And then if there's a, a lurch, that's a sign. That dukkha shows us that we were leaning on, just like if I'm leaning on because I'm tired. I used to just look for the next wall I could lean on. I was so tired all the time. And I would sometimes lean on cars. I'm leaning on a car. Then if the owner drives off, I'm leaning on it, <laughs> you fall down. But if there's holding lightly, then if it drives off, it's, it's there, it's gone. Pleasure, in touch with it, appreciating, we lean on it, get intoxicated by it, yippee, we add to it, it's not evil, it's natural enough, but then when it changes, it's, oh, what happened, what went wrong? But that dukkha, rather than blaming anybody, the Buddha said, no, 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 it's ennobling, it's important, be interested in that. When we start seeing this change, the idea of grasping, leaning, becoming something, when it keeps leading to distress, we start to get the message. We start what's called weariness with that process, a disenchantment. It's not a bad thing, a disenchantment, a relinquishment. Particularity is missing the wider thing. This so-called me is, is not separate from, is intimately connected to this wider atmosphere. Not just physically, this so-called me 
this particularity exists also because of the context of consciousness. Sounds, there's no sounds without silence. No forms. Forms couldn't operate without space. No experience. When the consciousness is so riveted, mesmerized, hijacked by the particularity of experience, we forget that there is no experience without the matrix, the context of awareness. So the liberating principle does not come into focus as long as we're just riveted on particularity. But as one starts inquire, seeing the bubble pop, the sound come and go, the guests coming and going, starting to get the feeling of what remains. But it's an analogy, but the host, or the shimmering dust dancing rather than getting out there and trying to argue with the dust. Can't you just be still? Give us a break. Dust dances, that's what its nature is. It's dancing, and rather than fighting with the dust, wrestling with the dust, or grasping at air, the Buddha said, you will get tired. Or boxing at a tree, you will lose. Ajahn Chah says, just get exhausted. But to really surrender to the nature of the dust dancing, one will then begin to notice the space that's untroubled. The two are actually interfused perfectly. particularity of trees. The indigenous ones are yellow woods which are growing and those invasive ones, they're nice trees. I mean, nothing against the eucalyptus, it's a beautiful tree. But here when they were planted and they were drinking the water and there's such a fire risk and so then we had to take some of them out so the indigenous ohots and hilarious and bugliads could grow so we can, and that oak tree, I like oak trees, get some shade, we need a bit of shade. We can focus on the separateness of the trees and forget that treeness is not a tree if it's not grounded, rooted, in that place where the differentiated tree becomes undifferentiated. There's a place where all trees merge. where the particularity is grounded in a unified sameness. You can't differentiate the, when you go really down into the earth, differentiate the oak from the yellow wood, the eucalyptus or the pine, or the indigenous and the alien, the invasive and the natural. So with Namo Kwanjian Pusa, a profound part of our practice, a gentle part of our practice, a humble part of our practice is bowing in, returning every sound to the listening, to the silence, 
returning to the ground, or just noticing, widening our gaze a little bit to notice that every sound, good thoughts that Kitty Charles said, and it's shaky on that one, and I think he really lost it there. Every sound, the happy, the unhappy, notice keeps continually manifesting and dissolving back into the unmoving. Listening. Silence. What the world might call invisible, nothing, doesn't mean anything. Actually, in the Dharma, to the contemplative, is, is the, is the real the unchanging reality. And ironically, the more we grasp at forms and feelings and the particularity, the more we end up with birth and death because it keeps shifting and changing. As soon as we get it right, it eludes us. We can keep hoping the next one will be different. Like the mischievous soupsy sage Nasrudin who was popping red-hot chilies into his mouth, one after the other, crying, crying, sneezing, sniffling. He was dying. And the disciples said, what are you doing, Master? Don't bother me. I'm looking for the sweet one, he said. (laughs) (laughs) What a beautiful example of what we do when we're leaning, trying to hope that the next experience will freeze and stick and we'll get there. When can we have the humility to let that even, that thought, I've got to get there, I've got to get there, to let that thought be what it is, the ataxia that takes us right back to the silence, the unmoving, never changing, ever inviting silence. This Dharma is, we chanted it this morning, Tanisra described it, Ahi Pasiko, this true, timeless Dharma is, Ahi, its arms are open, inviting us, come, See, a pasiko, come listen. The Dharma's door is never closed. The Dharma never says, "All right, what are your credentials?" Too bad, Jewish background. I know this is too bad. A girl. (laughs) She's so sorry. Too bad, person of color, you know, I mean, you've got to acknowledge the colors. The Dharma is open. The only one who closes that door is us with our views. And even if there's the biggest view, oh, kitties are on, the door's closed on me. I just, (laughs) (laughs) we, we don't have to drive that thought away. The door's closed on me. Let it come and go perfectly, whatever arises. The doors closed on me. Rises and ceases. God, I've got it. I've got it. I gotta tell Kitty Sora worries. He's in an interview. Doesn't matter. He won't mind. Kitty Sora, I've got it. <laughs> Rising season. <laughs> I had it. I did. I, I knew I should have written it down. <laughs> Blasted. <laughs> Jennifer took my pen. (laughs) Got it, lost it. Got it, lost it. Got it, lost it. Once the great saint 
Neem Kroli Baba, whose pictures up there is a great saint, Ramdas's teacher, who's been a big inspiration to us, went around all day long. Too big, too little, too big, too little, too much, too much, too little, too much, too little. It's good, it's bad, it's good, it's bad. No, I, just, I think he's gone crazy. <laughs> but that's what we're doing all the time. <laughs> This practice takes us to equanimity, everything that's shifting and dancing. It's not judging anything, but giving ourselves the chance to also taste this dimension, which we're not creating it, it is. <coughs> there is that which is not coming and going. So we can, in this uh, practice, soften, widen our gaze. Just, For example, rather than being so focused on the things, just also noticing all the forms, this mountain, the particular light is manifesting in infinite space. It's untroubled by whether we're dancing, shouting, crying, We're not blocking out the forms, but just in every sound, rather than being so excited about the inner sounds of happy thoughts and so devastated by the unhappy ones, to let each thought, to notice the silence before, after, and in the middle of each thought, letting each thought return, each sound return. Letting all the sounds and experiences be the guests that are moving, the dust that is dancing, but getting like even right now with the stream of the sounds of my voice, just letting the awareness be a little wider and notice what's untroubled, unmoving, what remains. As the thought ends, just because the thought has ended, The nature of awareness doesn't just kill over dead. <laughs> thought ended. Gotta wait for something else to make us real. Even when the thought's gone, the sound is gone. The knowing, the listening, the presence, whatever we call it, it's just another name. It's the higher self, Kitty Sorrow. Excuse me, it's God. Not just God. It's Yava. Ram. God, all this transcendent stuff, it's... What are you guys doing? Whatever the name is, as it is said, the name that can be named is not the eternal name. We just let all the names return. This is the profound practice of Kuan Yin, what's called returning the hearing. Returning everything back. As we bow in the morning, Namo, I relinquish, I let go, I hold everything lightly and return to this ground. Just like every leaf, twig, branch off all the different trees, and when it returns to the ground, it returns to that source, that place where all particularity merges. 
we don't know that part of our experience, we never know peace. We're always looking for the sweet one. There'll always be that extra stress. As space is the form and silence is the sound. So too is awareness to all experience. So today, giving attention to this ground of being, this listening, Practicing holding volition more softly with a full in-breath, full out-breath, an in-breath. Then on out-breath, consciously softening the holding, letting go. Relaxing on the out-breath. As we're resting, even listening to that inner thought, which is a guest, let go. That inner thought comes and then letting it go and then listening to the silence after the thought. The silent presence, that which remains, resting in that ground of being, that host of all phenomenon. Every sound, every thought will take us home. We allow ourselves to contemplate the ending rather than being so excited to get to the next thing. Like a mother with a child on the swing, the mother is standing behind the child, the child sitting in the swing with the back to the mother. The child swings the mother receives the child and letting go and the child swings up. Mother waits patiently, trustingly, lovingly. Child comes back just holding lightly, receiving lightly, letting go. This mother of all phenomenon is this awareness. Each sensation is like touching it lightly. Each out-breath, let go, let be, resting. So we're not pushing anything away, but noticing how every thought, happy and unhappy, every breath comes and goes and returns to this ground of presence. in this field of experience, shimmering, shifting, moving within this unmoving 
listening. Every thought that's telling us I am, I'm not, it's good, it's bad, we're not troubled by them, let the thoughts come and go, and particularly noticing those spaces between the thoughts. Noticing that every thought keeps returning, emptying itself like a bubble to that spacious ground of listening. sensitive to the swinging, swaying, coming, going. Occasionally whisper inwardly the just quiet thought, what remains? Even as that thought vibrates, what remains? We're vulnerably sensitive to the shifting, changing nature of that thought, what remains? but aware of that stillness within which all phenomenon manifests. Contemplating thus, ta-ta-ta, things are like this. All things, all particularity is continually merging, undifferentiated in the unified sameness of the ground. All things find their home. Everything finds its resting place in Nibbana in this original brightness. Trusting that this original brightness is always here and now. Always inviting us. No matter how despairing, 
how wrong everything feels. That each breath, each sound, each sensation returns to the heart, that which listens at ease. 